Welcome to The Way Church. We're glad you're joining us for today's message. For sermon notes, service times, and more information, check us out online at thewaychurchva.com. Now let's join Pastor Matt Rothy with this week's message. Labels on products are good. Labels on products are helpful. When I go to the store, the label lets me know a product's price, or a label lets me know if a clothing product is the right size. That is good and really helpful. When I go to my refrigerator, labels let me know that the lunch meat is way past its expiration date, but the milk is fresh. Labels on products are good. Labels on products are helpful. Labels on people, however, are not so good. Labels on people are often unhelpful. Yet people like to label people a lot. Labeling helps people make sense of their world, and yet labeling contributes to some of the deepest problems people face. Research in the areas of economics, race, academics, and intelligence have repeatedly demonstrated that if a person is labeled negatively or wrongly, it can have long-lasting, even permanent, harmful effects on a person. People like to label people a lot. Millennial, boomer. Democrat, Republican. Ugly, pretty. Pessimist, optimist. Black, white, fat, skinny, dumb, smart, tall, short, good girl, bad boy. Labels on products are good and helpful. Labels on people, well, they tend to be not so good nor all that helpful. And yet, that is exactly what takes place because of the biblical account we're about to read. The account of Jesus appearing to his disciple Thomas, sorry, doubting Thomas, is so well known that even if you're not a Christian, or even if you don't know the Bible that much at all, you probably get it. You've heard the label, Doubting Thomas. Even Merriam-Webster has an entry. Doubting Thomas means a habitually doubtful person. People have labeled Thomas, and for over 2,000 years, the label has stuck. Yet is the label helpful or good? Hardly. In fact, if you read John's Gospel, you'll see labeling Thomas as a doubter is not even accurate. Yet people like to label people. Thankfully, I don't think Thomas ever self-identified with this label or or even heard of his unfavorable nickname. Thankfully, what Thomas knew the week after Easter was his Lord and his God. What Thomas knew is that his Redeemer and Maker, well, he is a label remover and a label maker. Let's read John chapter 20, verses 24 through 31. Now, Thomas also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. 
A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. In the days following Good Friday, there was a gray cloud of grief that hung over Jesus' disciples. I mean, come on, their friend, their best friend, their leader had just died. He was gone. Or so they thought. Thomas, is, he misses the first appearance of the resurrected Jesus, and he wasn't there. So sadly, his grief continues all around him. His gloomy disposition, it, it even leads him to make an outrageous request that he would not believe unless he was able to touch the body of the risen Lord. Quite unexpectedly for Thomas, however, he is granted that request just a few days later. Jesus shows up again. He even goes through doors that were locked. In the room where the disciples were assembled, Jesus is there. This time, he singles out Thomas. Jesus said to Thomas, put your finger here and, and look at my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting. Start believing. It's mind-blowing to me that Jesus actually grants Thomas's excessive request. But do you realize what Jesus is doing by coming to Thomas and granting his request? Jesus is ripping away the misleading label of doubter and making a new label stick to Thomas. Believer. <laughs> Doubting Thomas turns into believing Thomas when Jesus does what else but speak his words to Thomas. <laughs> and Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Jesus' words to Thomas create a new thing. For Thomas, a newfound faith and belief that led to a moving declaration of Jesus' true label, my Lord and my God. Just pause for a moment and marvel at Jesus' words to Thomas when he shows up. Jesus didn't come to Thomas and say, you fool, you doubter, you pessimist, you chump, why didn't you believe me? Why didn't you conform to what your peers were telling you? No, no, no. Jesus comes to Thomas and he says, Thomas, peace be with you. Yeah, sure. People like to label Thomas as well as people who are just like Thomas. He was slow to believe, a cynic and a skeptic, a downer and, of course, a doubter. But that moment, that moment when Jesus came to him and spoke his words of peace to Thomas, that spoken word of Christ created a faith in Thomas that Tom caused Thomas to express in a language a truth that goes beyond labels. My Lord and my God. Because Thomas knew, he knew the sin of his doubt was ripped off and he was, he was slapped with a new label, a label of love, the love of Christ that was alive and it was with Thomas. 
Look, people want to label you. They want to know where to put you and what to do with you. It makes sense to people so they can feel safe despite labels dividing us. People want to know who are you? Are you a lying Lori, a cheating Charlie, or an honest Abe? A greedy George or a generous Jill? A pothead Bob, a boozing Bob, or a clean Kate? People want to label you. People want to know, are you with them or are you not? We also do this to ourselves. Willingly, we, we label ourselves. We say, I'm such a loser, I'm an idiot. I'm unable to be happy, I'm a failure, I'm not enough, I'm an outcast, I'm unlovable, I'm unattractive. What are the labels of lies that you're listening to yourself tell? You do know the prince of lies wants us to listen to those labels and believe that they're permanent and fixed and that's who we are. Well, even this sermon series, it, it comes with its own built-in temptation to toss around labels. In this series, we're looking at what it looks like for a Christian to be attending, supporting, advocating, and expanding as, as they live out their faith. More importantly, we're placing an emphasis on the moments in which a Christian transitions from, from attending to supporting and supporting to advocating and advocating to expanding. And what we're talking all about is how a Christian's life is, is constantly in this state of growing in the grace of God. And this is good and this is wonderful. And yet there's a tendency or a temptation to lazily label ourselves as, well, an attender or a supporter or something else. Either we get sinfully self-important that I'm labeled as this or that, or we get sinfully lazy and say, well, I'm only this or that and that's all I'm ever gonna be. Is that you? If you are someone who struggles with negative self-talk or, or self-imposed labels that lay you down, if you are someone who's riddled with anxiety because you feel boxed in by labels that others have wrongly, even recklessly ascribed to you, if you're someone who is emotionally and spiritually battling with a lack of labels, you, you don't know who or, or what you are, here's a come to Jesus moment for you. Look, Jesus has come to you. He comes for you in the flesh. Quite literally, he is here. He doesn't just knock down the door of all that labeling nonsense. What Jesus does is he sidesteps it entirely. Jesus comes to you. He comes for you. No matter the label that's been given to you or that you have self-imposed by yourself, what Jesus does is he comes to you. He comes to you in his word saying, I am the attender of all your needs. What Jesus does is reaches out and grabs hold of your hand and says, reach out your hand and, and put it into my side. I am here in the word and in the flesh, in the sacred gift of my supper. Jesus says, grabs hold of us and he says, stop doubting and believe. Grasp on to me for I'm holding on to you and I will never let you go. I'll never let you fall. I will never abandon you. I will never reject you. I will never stop giving my love to you. He says, never doubt this. I am holding on to you. What he says is, is peace be with you. I am with you. Here's the only come to Jesus moment that, that truly matters. 
Jesus comes to you in the good news of Easter's aftermath, and he says, I am your biggest supporter. I am upholding you with these hands. I'm upholding you with, look, put your fingers here. See my hands. See the nail marks in my hands where the nails were holding to me to the cross. These hands are now holding you up. They're handing you forgiveness. They're handing you the gift of faith. Those hands are holding onto you, helping you hold on to Christ just as he holds on to us. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus appearing to Thomas. The gospel, it, it really lights up the notion of labels, doesn't it? It's good news. It's good news for you and me. Let me tell you who Thomas really is. He is neither doubting Thomas nor believing Thomas. He's just Thomas. And he's more than that. He is Thomas, the son of our Father in heaven, the brother of Christ. Jesus doesn't label Thomas by his doubt or his faith, his bad works or his good works, his virtues or his vices. Jesus labels Thomas by that man's union with himself. Now let me tell you who you really are. Better let listen as your Lord and your God tells you who you are. You too are the daughter and the son of our Father in heaven. You are the sibling with the risen Christ. You are not labeled by your sins from the past or your self-talk in the present. Your label in life is defined and refined by you being right with God and inseparably covered with the love of God for Jesus' sake. That's who you really are. Look, if if you want to reduce your life story down to just one label, if you want to whittle your biography down to a single word, then let it be this. Beloved, you are loved. The expiration date on this love is eternal. This love never goes bad or expires. The price of this love, it, it costs you nothing. It's freely given by the one who gives and gives and gives of his love and never runs out. The size of this love is, is so wide and long and high and deep, I, I cannot even begin to describe it. It is the love of Christ, and this, the love of Christ, is the only label that covers you. When it comes to labels, sadly, kids can be cruel at times. Adults can be too, for sure. Don't get me wrong. But just think back to your middle school and high school days. Just recently, uh, another pastor told a story that I heard of an incredible eight-year-old boy who had intellectual disabilities as, as well as an immune disorder. The boy's name is Philip, and as is tragically all too common, kids in Philip's class didn't accept him because of the things that made Philip well, different. Instead, they labeled Philip with ugly words that made him feel inadequate and empty. And sadly, too, all these kids went to a Christian school. And what happened is right around this time of year, the, the teacher gave the class an assignment aimed at illustrating the message 
of Easter. The teacher said, your assignment is to go outside and, and find something that symbolizes new life and hope. So excited to get outside in the springtime, kids ran around picking up new leaves, budding flowers, and even trying to catch butterflies. When the kids got back into the classroom, they all oohed and aahed as the teacher showed off their findings. That is, until the teacher showed off an Easter egg that a kid had brought inside with nothing inside the egg. Someone didn't do the assignment, one kid shouted. Whose is that? laughed another. And then Philip raised his hand. Unfortunately, you could hear someone groan, come on, Philip, can't you do anything right? But unfazed, Philip stood right up and said, the egg is empty because the tomb is empty. The egg is empty because Jesus is alive. What incredible faith from a young man. It was a short time later that summer that Philip actually died. He died from an infection that most other kids would shrug off, but he didn't due to his compromised immune system. At the funeral, all the kids from that class marched up to the front with their teacher and they didn't put flowers on the altar, but they each put an empty Easter egg on the altar. Philip, you see, he understood that Easter and Jesus mean being alive meant life for him in heaven and a new label for him throughout eternity. Do you? Do you understand that? Well, stop doubting it and believe it. Because Jesus' body is not in the tomb, and therefore you are not just somebody, nor are you nobody, nor can anybody label you with ugly words that make you feel out of place or inadequate or empty. No, the tomb is empty, and it is opened. That means whenever the word of God is opened, a moment is repeated, a moment in which Jesus comes. Jesus comes to doubting Thomases of all ages and races and cultures and backgrounds and by the promise of his love, brings us to his wounded side and hides us there in himself. And we find in the scars of Jesus' body that we're somebody. We're somebody labeled forever with the love of Christ. Amen.